Dear Lord, we thank you for the opportunity to be in your house today. And Lord, we thank you for the fact that we stand in you and Jesus Christ and thank you for our salvation. And Lord, I pray that you would bless our service today and that you would be honored and glorified. And as we look at your word, Lord, I pray that we would be able to have it in our hearts. And Lord, you'd speak to each and every one of us, Lord, about our life and our faith. So Lord, bless this time today and thank you for loving us. And pray that everything give you honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, you can be seated. Now I gotta be honest with you, when I look out there and I see everyone in masks, I feel like I'm speaking to a bunch of robbers. You know, so, uh, but I want you to know I can recognize you even though you have a mask on. So, uh, anyway, but uh, uh, I uh, want you to take your Bibles. If you got your Bibles and turn to Mark chapter 5, and uh, I'll try not to speak long. I know how it is to wear that mask for a while, so uh, we'll try to get right into it. But uh, Mark chapter 5. Um, I enjoy studying books of the Bible, sometimes especially smaller ones that you can read through, through a few times and you kind of get the theme or you understand what the main topic is or what the Lord is saying in that book. But one thing I also enjoy doing is I like to, I like to study people in the Bible and see their ups and downs and how I can relate to them, their humanness you might say, and, and then to see how God moves and works in their life and to know that God does the same thing in our life. Uh, sometimes in the scriptures we see a person like, let's say, a Moses, who we know from birth all the way till he, till he dies. There's that much about him in the scriptures. Or even a King David that we meet when he's a, a teenager, and then he goes from a teen all the way till his death. And then Abraham and some others that we, we get such a great, big, long picture of their life, almost their entire life. But there's a lot of people in the scriptures, in fact, probably most people in the scripture, that all we actually get is just a glimpse it might just be one time or one action or one thing in their life. And today, we're going to talk about faith with interruptions is the title of a message. And we're going to look at a couple of people that come in contact with Jesus. And it really is just a, a glimpse, maybe just a one-time thing. But yet, it was so important that God put it in the Scripture. So let's look at Mark chapter 5. And we're going to go from verse 21. And uh, we're going to look at a man by the name of Jairus, who was a ruler. And then we're going to look at a woman who's not even named. It just says she was a woman with an issue of blood. And we're going to look at those two people and their great faith that they put in Jesus Christ. So as we start into this, I'm going to just for an intro here read verses 21 through 24. And then we'll get into the message, all right? So let's start with Mark chapter 5, verse 21. And when Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side... A great crowd gathered about him, and he was beside the sea. Then came one of the rulers of the synagogue, Jairus by name, and seeing him, he fell at his feet and implored him earnestly, saying, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. And he went with him, and a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Now, this is an account in the life of Jesus and this man Jairus. And this is only about one year before Jesus is going to go to the cross. So this is less than a year of when Jesus is ready to go to the cross. And Jesus has been in the town of Capernaum. And then he crossed over the Sea of Galilee to the country of, called the Gadarenes. And if you remember at the beginning of Mark chapter 5, there's a man who's not named except he's called a maniac or a crazy man. 
and he comes out and he's demon-possessed. And if you remember that man, Jesus took all the demons that were many in him and cast them into some swine, some pigs, and those pigs ran violently down a steep hill and into the, uh, the bay and drowned. But Jesus healed that man. And then uh, Jesus now is going to cross back over the Sea of Galilee again. I think I put a, a, a little map up there to kind of show you uh, how far it is. Uh, it's about 8 miles wide and about 13 miles north to south. And so he's going back and forth. Now, I really don't know how long that would take to go 8 miles or 13 miles. I don't think it would be an all-day trip. But uh, when you're just being blown by the wind, it might be fast or it might be slow. But he's going back and forth. And so now we're going to see that he ends up meeting this man. This man named Jairus comes to him. And in verse 22 it says that Jairus is a, a ruler of the synagogue. In other words, he was pointed by the elders at the synagogue to look after the building, its contents, uh, have things ready and arranged for worship. He was a man of importance. But let's first of all notice this. This man named Jairus was a desperate man. He had a desperate faith. In verse 22, it says, In seeing him, he falls down at his feet. When he comes to Jesus, the first thing he does, he's desperate. He needs help. And he falls down at the feet of Jesus. Now, this is a, a Jewish man. And remember, during this time is when this last year in the life of Jesus, the Jews, the Jewish leaders, start plotting against Jesus of how they can get rid of him or how they can kill him. And yet, here's a religious man that practices the Jewish faith and he comes to Jesus. But you know what he does? Jairus forgets about his power or his privilege or his prestige or his position or prominence. Any of those things. None of those things matter to him at all. He does not care who he actually is. Because none of that matters. Because only one thing's important and that is this. His little daughter is dying. His daughter is dying. And you know many times things happen in our life that draw us to God that draw us to God, that maybe are tragic things, but they draw us to God because everything else gets thrown on the back burner and we say, I don't care about any of this. I don't care about my money or my material. None of that matters anymore. I've got a sick child, and that's all that matters. So trials come, and we need faith in Jesus and the power of Jesus alone. So Jairus might not have been so accepting of Jesus except for the fact that he's got a child that's about to die. So in verse 23, he gives out his plea. He says this, My little daughter is at the point of death. Now, if you have children, that would be even a hard thing to say. And there could be someone here today, you've actually lost a child before. So you could really relate to this better than I could. But I can't think of anything worse than losing a child or now we, we have two grandchildren about to have three. I can't think of anything worse than that. I can't think of anything worse than that. And so here is a man that's pleading with Jesus because he has one thing on his heart, and that is his daughter. About six years ago, a film came out. Some of you probably seen it. It was called Unbroken. Have any of you seen that movie, Unbroken? Okay, probably about half of you have. You might not have seen it. But it's a true life story of a man named Louis Zapparini. All right? Louis Zapparini. And the story is about him being an Olympic uh, sprinter. He was actually in the 1936 Berlin, Germany Olympics, the same one that Jesse Owens is so famous for. Jesse Owens was a sprinter. Louis Zapparini was a long-distance runner during that same Olympics. And Louis Zapparini gets out of the Olympics and ends up getting uh, drafted into the military during World War II. 
and he gets on a, he's on a plane and the plane crashes in the ocean and everybody dies except for Louis and two other men. And these two men have two rafts. These three men have two rafts. And after 33 days on the, in the Pacific Ocean just trying to survive, one of the men dies. They actually just have to roll him out and bury him at sea. But Louis and the other, one other man live for 47 days out on the Pacific in a, a couple of rafts. And they get rescued, but they get rescued by a Japanese boat. <laughs> and they become prisoners of war in a Japanese prison camp. And then Louis Zapparini, if you were to watch the movie, he gets t singled out by uh, a Japanese officer who singles him out because he finds out he was an Olympian and he's going to make an example of him. And he's constantly, constantly beating on Louis Zapparini and giving him such a hard time. But when Louis Zapparini was out there floating in the Pacific Ocean, he made a promise to God. And here was the promise that he made. He said, God, if you will get me through this, if you will spare my life through this, he said, I will serve you with my life. Well, miraculously, he lives through the Pacific Ocean. He lives through the POW camp, barely at times. And he gets out, the war ends, and he's got his freedom again. And he comes back to America and in reality, he pretty much forgets his promise until about two or three years later, his wife becomes a born-again Christian. And then Billy Graham is coming to his town to do a revival, and his wife talks him into going, and Louis Zamperini reluctantly goes to this Dr. Billy Graham crusade. But when he gets there, he hears the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and he gets saved that night. He ends up knowing that God's calling him into the ministry and he goes into evangelism and Dr. Billy Graham helps him set up his evangelistic ministry. So from um, the 40s all the way up until he passed away in 2014, the year of the movie, he was an evangelist. All of those years, he did serve God with his life. He made a promise to God and he ended up keeping it. Here, Jairus is a desperate man also. He's saying... I will do anything if my daughter's life is spared. And so in verse 23, he shows his great faith and he says this. He says, Jesus, he says, come and lay your hands on her so that she may be well and live. Now, we don't know because it doesn't give us background how Jairus knew that. No doubt maybe he had heard this, possibly had even seen this before. But he had this faith knowing if I can get this man, if I can get Jesus to come to my house, he can lay his hands on my daughter and her life will be spared. She will live. But let's notice what happens in verse 24, 25, 26 because a delay happens. All right, verse 24, 25, and 26, and it says this. And he went with him and a great crowd followed him and, throng, excuse me, and thronged about him. Verse 25. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. Now, all of a sudden, in the middle of this story with Jairus, all of a sudden this woman is inserted in and it says that this woman's got an issue of blood. She's got a blood problem, a blood disease. She's had it for 12 years. She's been to doctor after doctor after doctor. But you know the story, she hasn't gotten any better and all of a sudden, here this is inserted and uh, right in the middle of Jairus needing Jesus to come. If you remember the story about Thomas, where Thomas didn't see Jesus, and Thomas said, 
uh, that I won't believe until I see him with my own eyes. Jesus quotes this verse to Thomas. Listen to this verse. Jesus said to Thomas, Have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Have not seen me but yet believed. Jairus here, I don't know if he's seen, but he does believe. And he's just saying, if I can get this man to come. And then this woman is inserted right in the middle of the story. And she's wanting a healing also. So let's look down at verse number 27 and 28. She had heard the reports about Jesus, this woman, and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I, even, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. This woman ends up getting her faith confirmed. She gets her faith confirmed. This woman comes up and she does something that as far as we know, she was the first person to do this. She comes up and reaches out as Jesus walks by and she just grabs his garment. The amazing thing is she grabs his garment and immediately she is healed. Now look down at verse number 30. And Jesus perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned about in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? Now, had that been me, fear probably would have come over me. Oh no, I just messed up. I just did something. I didn't ask if I could touch his garment. I just, I just did it. And fear would come over me. Look at what she says in verse 31. And his disciples said unto him, you see the crowd pressing around you and you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. She comes up in the panic and she falls down and says, it was me. I reached out and touched your garment so that I could be made whole. And then in verse 34, and he or Jesus said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. Now, this is an interruption for Jairus. Jairus is saying, come now, my daughter's sick, she's going to die. Quickly come. He's warning Jesus to take off running. He's warning Jesus to sprint and get there. We need to jump in a chariot. We need to get on an animal. we got to get there now, my daughter is dying. And all of a sudden, here's Jairus begging Jesus to come. And Jesus turns and gives his attention to someone else. Why did Jesus do this? Why did Jesus even recognize this lady? He could have just kept going on, but he turns and recognizes her because her faith needed to be acknowledged. It needed to be acknowledged because the faith of others strengthens other people. Your faith can strengthen my faith. When I see what God does in your life, it can help strengthen my trust in Jesus Christ. Here's a great little side note about this, and I didn't know this until I was studying, but in uh, Mark chapter 6, the next chapter Right at the end of the chapter, let me read you verse 56 because it relates to this woman. And I told you, as far as we know, she was the first person to reach out and grab a garment of Jesus and get healed. But notice what it says in Mark 6, 56. And wherever he came in villages, cities, or countryside, they laid the sick in the marketplaces and implored him that they might touch even the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. You know... That woman reaches out and touches his garment, but it didn't stop there. Somebody spread the word. Hey, 
Hey, there's a lady. I just heard of a lady that just touched his garment and was healed. To the point now, everybody's trying to do it. Well, let's just take the, the blind and the crippled and the lame and let's send them out there. And when he walks by, just tell him to reach out and grab his, grab his clothes. They'll be healed. So word spread around. Word spread around. Um, here's a great thought, too. When Jesus heals the woman, Jairus could witness the healing power of Jesus and the faith of Jairus would be strengthened. You see, Jesus didn't just flippingly do this. He had a total purpose in turning from Jairus and giving his attention to this woman. Because though Jairus does not know it, Jairus is going to see how this woman is healed by her faith. And it will also strengthen his faith, even confirm it more. Now I know if I can get Jesus to my daughter. Now I know she will be healed. But let's look at the bad news. Look at verse 35 here. In verse 35 it says, While he was yet speaking, Jesus speaking, there came from the ruler's house some who said, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? I mean the worst news ever. The worst news ever. While you've been here trying to get him to come, there's no need. The hope is gone now because your daughter, she's died. Your daughter has died. What, what in the world would Jairus be thinking during this time? He would, his faith would probably be in a state of despondency. And he's thinking this, my daughter just died because we were delayed by this woman. <laughs> I mean, this woman's been sick for 12 years. Could she not have waited one or two more hours so that my daughter could have been healed? This woman's had a long life. My daughter's only 12 years old. It's just not fair. My daughter died at 12. She's already had a long life. It's just not fair. You see, Jesus, why did you get sidetracked? Why did you turn your attention to her and now I've lost what I came for? It kind of reminds you of Martha and Mary when Lazarus had died and Jesus waits four days before he gets there. And they're like, why did you wait so long to come? He's been dead four days now. But Jesus knows what's going on. He knows the brokenness of this man and the urgency of his need, even though it seems like Jesus is not urgent at all. But the little girl is going to live. The little girl is going to live. There was a song that came out a few years ago, and I want to just give you the words it's actually from a quote by Charles Haddon Spurgeon. The song's called Trust His Heart. Listen or look at the, the words with me of the chorus of this. It says this, God is too wise to be mistaken. God is too good to be unkind. So when you don't understand, when you don't see His plan, when you can't trace His hand, trust His heart. Those are, that's a, those are great thoughts. Because there's so many times I'm like, I don't understand why God's not doing this, but He's doing that, or why God seems to not be doing anything at all. But God has a plan. And God doesn't leave me hanging, you might say. The thing for me to do is to trust God that God knows best. And that's the situation that Jairus is in right here. Someone said this, God is seldom early, but he's never late. He's seldom early, but he's never late. Job 23.10 says, But he knows the way that I take, and when he's tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And then King David said in Psalms 37.23, The steps of a man are established by the Lord when he delights in his way. 
So let's look at the last thing today, a delighted faith. Jesus goes to the home of Jairus, but he doesn't take everybody. He doesn't take everybody with him. He turns to Jairus and he says this, only believe. Just believe. Don't let your faith doubt. I know they said that your daughter's dead, but you just trust and believe. Don't believe what they're saying. You trust and believe. Uh, let me read verse 37 and verse 38. It says, And he allowed no one to follow him, this is Jesus, except Peter and James and John the brother of James. They, they came to the house of the ruler of the synagogue, and Jesus saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. Now back there during this time in the culture, they would have people that were professional mourners. You've probably heard this before. Let me read this statement to you. Jewish law required that there be at least one mourner and two flute players for mourners. They showed up as soon as there were death. They began to wail, cry, and scream, calling attention to the fact that death had invaded a home. They came quickly because the dead were buried before sundown. These same practices continue to this day in parts of the Middle East. So they get there, and there are the flute players, and there are the professional mourners, and Jesus is telling him, only believe. And let's look at verse 39. And when they had entered, he said to him, to them, why are you making a commotion and weeping? The child is not dead, but sleeping. Verse 40, and they laughed at him, but put him, but he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. You see, do you have a need this morning? Well, Philippians 4.19 says, My God shall supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Do you have fears? I'll never leave you nor forsake you. Do things seem hopeless like they did for Jairus? This is a great verse, Ephesians 3.20. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Regardless of the situation, we can trust God with confidence. The Savior's confirming works. Let's read verse 41 through 43. Taking her by the hand, he said to her, Telakumai, which means little girl, I say to you, arise. And immediately the girl got up and began walking, for she was 12 years of age, and they were immediately overcome with amazement. And he strictly charged them that no one should know this and told them to give her something to eat. Jesus sends the mourners away, and he takes the mother and father in, and he tells her to rise, and she does. And they're all taken over with amazement. Jesus says, don't tell anyone. <laughs> Very unusual, isn't it? You would think he would say, now go tell everyone what happened. Because when that, <clears throat> when that man in Mark chapter 5, <clears throat> at the beginning, when he heals the demon man, <clears throat> he tells that man to go through Decapolis, which is 10 cities. But then he tells them, now don't tell anyone. We don't actually know why. Maybe it's because of all the Jewish persecution that's going on. And he don't want them to be persecuted. But I know this. Sometimes we feel like Jairus when our faith gets interrupted. And we're not sure just what's going on. And what Jesus or God seems to be doing just does not seem to make sense to us. Yet, he's still working. Yet, we need to keep our faith because God is 
in control. So in closing, I ask you this. Does your faith ever feel like it's interrupted? Lord, I'm trying to put faith into what's going on, but I don't understand it. This just took place. This circumstance just took place, and I don't get it. It does not make sense to me. And yet we know that God is in control. And yet we know that nothing overtakes God by surprise. God has a perfect plan for our life, and He's sovereign and in control. So let me remind you once again, God is too wise to be mistaken. He's too good to be unkind. When you don't understand, when you can't see His plan, and you can't trace His hand, what do we do? We just trust His heart. During this time, we're in unusual times in our country, in our world. This this virus really has kind of changed our world. We were, some of us were talking about that this morning. It's changed us as adults. It's changed uh, even children now are wearing masks. It's such a different time. People have lost jobs and not understanding what's going on. And you think, man, what is happening? But you know what? None of this takes God by surprise. He knows all of it. And if you've lost a job, it didn't catch him by surprise. We're just to trust him. If, if your circumstances have totally changed, God knows. And God cares. And He's there for us. And here's the amazing thing. God is a God who can take a bad situation and turn it into something good for your life. It's hard to see that most of the time, but He can. So this morning I say this. God has our best interest at heart. So this week as we go through life, and whatever comes our way, and we continue on just like we are with wearing masks and all this stuff, it's okay because God is in control and He knows, all right? So let's bow for a word of prayer. This morning, as for a time of response, we'll, in a few moments, we will dismiss. But if you would like for a pastor to come and pray with you this morning, then if you'll just stay at your seat. And one of our pastors would love to come and talk with you. Also, if you're a guest this morning, we would love to personally meet you and we'll be down front to talk to you. But I want to say this right now. I don't know what's going on in your life, but God sure does. And right there at your seat, maybe this is just a, a short time as we have some music playing where you just pray to God before we dismiss this morning and say, God, increase my faith. Increase my trust in you, God, because I know you are in control you're in control of all of this. And then whatever your circumstances might be this morning, ask God to help you with those. And pour out your heart and prayer to Him. Let's just sit quietly for maybe 15 or 20 seconds. And then I'm going to close this in prayer. But let's just sit quietly and give those of us who would like to a time of, of, of an opportunity to pray to the Lord. Dear Lord, today I pray that your word has encouraged our hearts. And Lord, as we looked at the faith of a couple of people, Lord, I, I pray that our faith would be increased because we serve a great God that's, that cares about every area of our life. And God, I pray that even this week you would continue to work your gospel in our life. And as, as we work out our salvation, Lord, that the Holy Spirit of God would work in our hearts. Lord, would you guide our thoughts and guide our actions. Would you help us to be witnesses for you where we go? And 
share the gospel of Jesus Christ with others. And God, would you use us, Lord, to bring honor and glory to you. And Lord, I thank you for being a God that is always there. I thank you for the miraculous thing that you live in our heart when we come to know you as our Savior. And we carry the Holy Spirit of God with us. So God, increase our faith and, and, and help us to trust in you even today and this week. Lord, bless us and keep us safe as we go home and work in our hearts and our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.